You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. <coughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. Hello and happy Tuesday. First, I want to say thank you to everyone who joined the Talk Shop Live virtual event on Monday. Jenny Fisher and I sold out signed copies. But don't worry if you missed it. We are adding a few more for anyone who could not make the live broadcast. On the horizon, I hope that you consider attending our University of South Carolina event in Columbia, South Carolina on Monday, November 13th our book signing launch day at Barnes & Noble on Hilton Head, November 14th, or our special premium members-only event in Bluffton, South Carolina on November 16th. Check lunasharkmedia.com events for the most current schedule. We have a really great episode for you today. We are angry, we are disgusted, and though we disagree on some of the finer points on the effect of what's happening, Liz, Eric, and I review Dick and Jim's latest attempt to blow up the system on behalf of Alec Murdoch. You know, the murderer, liar, and thief. We are going to be talking about their judicial terrorism on True Sunlight this week. But for today, we discuss the core effect of the writ of prohibition they filed last week with the Supreme Court in their attempt to have Judge Clifton Newman removed from all of Alec Murdoch's cases moving forward. Team Murdoch has one solitary goal right now, and that is to delay Alec's November 27th state trial on financial charges, even though he has already admitted to those crimes. They need to get him over the finish line in federal court, where they seem to have successfully manipulated the U.S. Attorney's Office into doing their bidding so that Alec can get out of state prison. Dick and Jim are taking no prisoners with this latest filing, to the detriment of Judge Newman's well-earned reputation as America's judge. And we are not having it. Also, today we talk about a very important hearing this week, the hearing to qualify Prosecutor David Miller as a candidate for circuit court judge. David Miller is who cut that sweet deal for accused rapist Bowen Turner. That hearing is set for Wednesday at 3.45 p.m. However, we will not be able to live broadcast it. 
We will tell you all about why on True Sunlight this week. This hearing is not only important because it gives Bowen Turner's victims a voice, it also puts the spotlight on the Judicial Merit Selection Commission and its members. Specifically, lawyer legislators Todd Rutherford, who got David Miller to help get a client sentence reduced, and Senator Luke Rankin and Representative Merle Smith. You might recognize their names as two of the powerful lawyer legislators who nine of our 16 solicitors wrote an open letter to calling for Rutherford and all other lawyer legislator members of the JMSC to be removed. This is where the change needs to happen, starting right here. Everything about David Miller's quest to become a state judge is emblematic of the backdoor dealings that allowed someone like Alec Murdoch to thrive. It's important that every member of the JMSC know that we are watching. Let's get into it. Cups up, guys. Cups up. Cups up, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing great, Liz. Good. Mandy, busy week last week again. Yeah. And uh, and Halloween. Yeah. We had a great Halloween. It was fun. We, we gave out candy and the dogs were big hits. The new dog, I don't think, has been around a lot of people. So when they came up in costumes, she would run and hide behind a chair and bark and just look. But Stella's an old pro at it. And we gave out good candy. We gave out Heath bars and... Uh, some bigger Reese's cups and a licorice. I like the uh, strawberry licorice. So we gave that out. That's awesome. So I ate half of the stuff. Yeah. And I have neighborhood, little neighborhood kids know I like milk duds and Tootsie Rolls. So they go out and get them and then they bring them back to my house and give me the uh, milk duds and Tootsie Rolls. Oh, that's really cute. You have a deal going. Yeah, I do have a deal going. <laughs> so a lot of kids go to you, Liz? For sure. So we should probably get into what we want to talk about today because it's a pretty big deal, you know. It's huge. And, it's and huge. One of the things, I think there's a couple of things I want to touch on. So I just want to tell you guys up front because there's just so much. But one of the things I want to talk about is, A, is this the worst thing Dick and Jim have done thus far? And then the second thing is whether this is going to delay the trial because obviously this is not this is like a, a multi-purpose tool for Dick and Jim, this writ of prohibition that they filed last week. It also, you know, it it serves the purpose of getting Judge Newman removed from their case, but it also delays things, I believe. And then the other thing, I guess, well, let's just start with this. Eric, did you see this coming? <laughs> this writ of prohibition? Oh, yeah. The writ of prohibition, really? No, no. I saw... We talked about it since September, since the guilty plea, and then, you know, Judge Newman scheduling the trial in Buford for November 27th. We said that, you know, Dick was going to make the motion to disqualify Judge Newman, or he was going to cut off his foot if he made the motion to Judge Newman and it wasn't granted. What I didn't see is them forum shopping. And most of the time, 99% of the time, in fact, I've never seen this, it's always done in front of the judge first. You, you give the judge the respect to put on record why they're not in conflict, why that's not the appearance of impropriety. That's the standard. If the judge is presiding over the case and continues to preside over the case, does it represent an appearance of impropriety on the judge's part? And most of the time, the judges don't recuse themselves. They give reasons why they, they shouldn't recuse themselves. They evidently sent a letter to Judge Newman, but he didn't respond. He, I think he was waiting for them to make a motion because he wanted it to be in open court and part of the record. 
they forum shopped the same way they did with Judge Gergel on the issue of having the federal government commandeer the receivers funds. And we know how that ended. You know, again, we talked about this last week that appellate courts aren't really set up for evidentiary hearings and things like that. But the, the Supreme Court does have original jurisdiction in certain things. And this is an archaic motion called a writ of prohibition, which basically asks them to bypass Judge Newman and look at the objective facts. And we were talking about it before we came on the air of you know, some of the comments that he made and some of his appearances at Cleveland State and different places. And that supposedly, you know, they didn't fault him for doing that, but they suggested that, well, he thought he was going to be retiring and therefore, you know, he probably let his guard down. Well, I didn't, I never expected that just because he was retiring that he was going to run away from the Murdoch cases. I think he was going to take senior status the way Justice Toll took senior status and a lot of other judges, and he was going to stay in on the Murdoch cases. And I think. You know, it's going to be an uphill battle because Judge Beatty was the one who appointed Judge Newman. An up uphill battle for who? For Dick. Dick and Jim. I think. For Dick. Okay. I think it, you know, it's, it, I don't think they want to have the lasting, last act of Judge Newman be a public record that he acted in a way that made him in conflict with presiding over the case. We all know how it ended for Judge Manning with the Gerard Price. It was not a great send-off. And I would be really surprised if the Supreme Court, given that it's Judge Kittredge and, and there's some other conservative justices up there, that they would say that Judge Newman is in conflict. I think that they may remand it for an evidentiary hearing, although, you know, are they going to bring Judge Newman in? Is he going to give an affidavit? Is he going to explain that he still can be objective and fair and impartial, notwithstanding some of the allegations? Look, I don't, I think it was a bad argument to say just because he said those things at sentencing that that makes him prejudicial. Because when anybody pleads guilty or anybody is found guilty and a judge sentences them, they say really harsh things. You know, the things that Judge Gergel said. Um, and that didn't preclude Judge Gergel from hearing other things from Russell Lafitte and different things like that. But the bigger issue is going to be the Cleveland State speech in the Today Show. I think that's where the rubber's going to hit the road. Let's talk about that because Mandy, you know, a couple of episodes ago on True Sunlight Podcast, we broke down some of that, what Judge Newman said to his alma mater, uh, Cleveland State, and to the Today Show. And obviously there's, so basically the core argument here that Dick and Jim are making is that you can have something as judicial bias, but you can't have personal bias. And there's obviously a fine line, I guess, between the two for them. And what they're saying... Judge Newman said at Cleveland State and on the Today Show, they're saying is personal bias. But I, I'm going to tell you, I read this. This is a 265-page document. I read it and I underlined every misleading statement or mischaracterization with a blue line. And this document now looks like a piece of notebook paper, like you know the ones with like the blue lines because it's a lot. So one of the things that they're doing is mischaracterizing, I believe, these statements that he made because a lot of what he said was said in the sentencing. It's just just a different way of saying it. And beyond that, I think we have to also stress that like the jury was not the jury anymore uh, at the point that Judge Newman said these things, meaning that he wasn't congratulating the jury. So basically they're accusing Judge Newman of congratulating the jury for reaching the correct verdict. Mindy, was there any part of this that had you worried that this could be a problem? No. And actually reading it again and reading it once last week and then for the second time, I 
just got more angry the second time I read it because I feel for Judge Newman that he's now in this position where he it looks like he's going to have to defend himself one way or another unless I don't I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I also just don't like, again, the way that the press has handled this as just like this legitimate person is asking for something very legitimate. And and then this actually very much of which I'm saying Alex Murdoch is not a legitimate person. That's insane. And to put Judge Newman's career in the crossfire and his legacy in the crossfire. And like Liz was saying earlier, before we started the show, we were talking about how like they kind of sugarcoat it a little bit with Newman. Like they don't go all the way. They're not going for throats in it, but it's still bad. And it's still... Oh, it's a headshot. Don't kid yourself. Yeah, it's it's horrible. You're going against the judge. No, 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 no. That's not... Yeah, it was more that it was manipulative. So I think what I was saying was that it's throughout it, what they do is that thing that you do when you're trying to win an argument that you know you don't have the facts on your side about like with so for instance like they'll say like judge newman knew he was retiring so you know perhaps in his mind this is why he went on the today show they'll say you know judge newman this is what his defense would be and it's understandable but you know they're there it's actually we're, we're going to take it this way instead so it's manipulative throughout but where it is not a headshot eric is at the very end when they talk about how ordinarily when you make these kinds of accusations there would be an investigation into judicial misconduct but they don't want that alec believes that judge newman is a great judge they don't want him to get in trouble for it they just want him off the case is all you know and it's 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 just a very manipulatively written brief i guess this is what we call a brief i'm not even sure it's just <laughs> very manipulative. One of the things though, the mischaracterizations, like what has me worried, I'll be honest, is the part where they say that he congratulated the jury because he said to them, I applaud you on the decision that you made. Eric, I've talked to a few people about this now and they're not worried. They didn't mean that. He didn't mean that that way. Right. Okay. So can you talk about that then? Because what this is one of the main arguments they're making, and perhaps I think, in my opinion, one of the strongest, which is that he congratulated the jury. And there's it seems pretty explicit that it says you cannot give any sort of congratulations to the jury. I forget what it says specifically. But what, what, what he meant was the 12 people with differing backgrounds and different life experiences and being away from their family and being in a tense situation of six and a half weeks could collectively come together and freely and with expression state what they saw and they believed and reach a unanimous verdict. That is something to be congratulated. You have 12 different people who may look at something totally different than the way that the person next to him would look like it. And all he was doing was saying, I, I congratulate you for doing what your oath said you would do, which was look at this, be objective, and then reach a unanimous verdict if you could. He didn't have to Allen charge them. He didn't have to dynamite charge them. And they 
they followed his instructions and reached the unanimous verdict. Well, let me read to you what he said. So first, the what the Canon 3 B10 says, a judge shall not commend or criticize jurors for their verdict other than in a court order or opinion in a proceeding, but may express appreciation to jurors for their service to the judicial system and the community. But he said, so I applaud you all for, as a group and as a unit and individually, evaluating the evidence and coming to a proper conclusion. This is according to the writ of prohibition right yeah that's the process that's congratulating that's them the on the process what what so what do you make of proper conclusion a proper conclusion of unanimity it could have been unanimity of of not guilty i think proper is just any conclusion that they would all agree on okay well good i mean that's the part that has me a little bit worried but i've been told not to worry okay you know sometimes you're in you're in extemporaneously speaking Okay, and you choose a word. It may have been the B minus word instead of the A plus word, but it's got to be in context. This it's not easy. Most murder cases have a dynamite charge. Okay, except criminal cases. Except Sam Bankman Free, they came back in the same four hours of jury and they held him guilty of all eight charges. But most of the time, there are differing opinions, especially when you have a six six and a half week trial and the judge has to Allen charge him or dynamite charge him and, and try to convince people to listen to each other and be cooperative and let people speak. Evidently, that took place in the in the jury room, and he congratulated him for it. Yeah, and there was no Allen charge in the right. Yeah, there was no Allen charge in the Russell Lafitte char- trial, right? No, but they obviously the ju- I think the judge had to go back there twice. What was it? Somebody needed a medicine. There was like a bunch of issues going on, and. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't wasn't that they couldn't reach but a verdict. Yeah, no, I mean, not I, yet. It didn't I reach that think point. he bet you you guys came together swiftly and efficiently, and I congratulate you. And I congratulate you for making it through the process because this whole thing has been absolutely crazy, and it was an it was insane from the very it was, it was six weeks of insanity. There was a bomb scare. There was COVID. Yeah, and I I don't blame Judge Newman at all for saying congratulations. Congratulations to them because it was an amazing thing that like, oh my God, in this world of everybody is picking everybody's words apart constantly and you cannot get anybody to agree on anything that 12 jurors were able to come together so quickly and make that conclusion. I do think that that's an amazing thing. And again, in going back to like, they're accusing him of personal bias, personal bias and the, the definition of bias is coming to a conclusion in an unfair way. There has to be, an, typically, usually in an unfair way is like the definition. So Newman coming to the conclusion based on the facts of Alec Murdoch being guilty, I think is different than he thinks that they're, they're trying to make it like a, a personal vendetta that Newman always had. But Newman sat back and we watched him and we watched him kind of get more and more intolerant of Dick and Jim and their shenanigans throughout the trial. He was very, very patient with them at the beginning. And I mean, he really did hear out everything that everybody had to say. And guilty is guilty. And I don't I, again, I feel horrible that Judge Newman now has to defend his legacy that was also so good. And the reason why it was so good 
it's why he was picked in the first place. And I think we have to talk about that. Like the South Carolina Supreme Court said, this is our guy. This is our guy that will be completely unbiased. This is our guy who will sit back and show the world that he, that the South Carolina judicial system can be fair. And for them to now have to go back on that and the old pressure to reverse that decision, it just makes the entire thing so chaotic. What's funny about that, Mandy, is that I think Dick celebrated the choice of Judge Newman, to be honest with you, like because of Judge Newman's history in sentencing and maybe like a pro-defendant, maybe he's seen a little bit more as like, he's definitely seen as somebody who's fair, but certainly I think as maybe generally in his career, a little bit more pro-defendant when it came to criminal cases or a little bit more open to hearing that somebody wasn't guilty and that they were being set up. So I think when Dick went into this, when Justice Beatty, Chief Justice Beatty assigned Judge Newman to the case, I honestly think Dick and Jim saw that as a win. And I would even question whether that's something that was on their wish list was to get Judge Newman. It wasn't until Judge Newman started ruling against them that they had the problem, right? And then they tried to get, they had Judge Lee come in because on a technicality that she was at the time the, the judge who oversaw the grand jury indictment. So technically she could hear his bond hearing now. It was odd, but they did it and they tried to explain away like it was nothing, like no big problem. When when Judge Newman started ruling against them is when they had the problem, which brings us to Eric's point, which is that like clearly they're judge shopping here. What I want to talk about though is whether this is going to delay the trial because like you said, Eric, Dick would cut off his feet to delay the trial and I want to know if that effectively has happened now. So we'll talk about that. We will be right back. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people who had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Want to temporarily restore definition in your jawline where it's been lost over time? With Juvederm Volux XC, you can get a non-surgical jawline treatment that adds volume for smooth contour and to reduce the appearance of jowls in one in-office treatment with little downtime. Juvederm Volux XC injectable gel is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injections like redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
So what we don't know is how Judge Newman is going to defend himself. So the attorney general is obviously going to have to be one of his defenders and say that he's not in conflict and they're going to have to file a response to the writ of prohibition, I would think. I don't think they're going to agree that he is in conflict. But Judge Newman himself has a voice. And is he going to, in essence, represent himself or is he going to get a lawyer who's going to come in and represent Judge Newman? That's going to be the interesting thing. Again, we're, we were waiting to see what was the process going to be on the motion for a new trial. Are they going to, you know, interview all these jurors? Are they going to bring them in? We don't know. We were waiting for a status conference. Now that's pushed to the background. And so what is this Supreme Court hearing going to look like? Are they going to take it on? Or are they going to say, we want this to be deferred back to Judge Newman and we want a full record on court? Why you think he's in conflict? And he has the right to rule and say, I yes, I agree. I'm going to step aside. And some judges do. Sometimes I have, you know, when I wrote Judge Carmen Mullen, she agreed that she can no longer and ever again hear anything from Bland Richter, given the fact that, that I filed a grievance against her. So she agreed that, that it would be improper for her to to preside over. Maybe Judge Newman will say, okay, you know what? I think you're right. I don't think he's going to say that because again, it's his lasting legacy, as Mandy said, and he may, he may get a Dennis Cannon or somebody who's a really good, a Ronnie Cobb from uh, King Street to represent him or a really good lawyer like Gedney Howe or somebody else to come forward and, and make the arguments on his behalf that he's just doing what a normal judge does. I mean, think about what Judge Gurgel has said. And nobody's ever said, hey, Judge Gurgel, you can't hear anything more after what you've said about Alex Murdoch. And what, you know, he called Alex Murdoch a liar and a fraud before Alex Murdoch ever pled guilty. Guilty. He did that in Russell Lafitte's motion. So, you know, we have to wait and see how this plays out. But in answer to your question, I don't believe that the Satterfield trial now is going to go forward on November 27th. So would one strategy from the state be to have Judge Newman recuse himself and then immediately replace him with another judge so that November 27th can go forward? Because that wouldn't work out, you know, necessarily work out to their advantage, right? So could that be one of the things that happens that maybe, you know, they say don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Maybe the state just decides like we'll kill, you know, like you have somebody that's being held hostage. Maybe you just kill the hostage. So maybe, you know, Judge Newman recuse uses himself and then that case can go on November 27th and then the core issue becomes whether he can hear cases moving forward. Can the Supreme Court do something like that? What's the bigger case? Is it the Satterfield criminal case or it's preserving the Murdoch double murder verdict? Because if you push him... Isn't it the same thing? No, it's not. Because if you push him off the... Effectively. Yeah, you, you now pushed him off the murder case as well. And we haven't had a hearing on the motion for a new trial. And you bring in a new judge. And, you know, I think Judge Newman deserves the right to defend himself. And I don't think he should be put on the stand, uh, so to speak. But he has the right to say, look, I am... I have the right to have opinions, and I've expressed them in a way that is not contradiction to the justice system. I still can be fair and impartial, and I believe I will be fair and impartial. And if he says that, that's it. I agree. I totally think that Judge Newman should do all of that. I'm not saying that that shouldn't happen, and I don't. I think he's being completely and unfairly maligned here. And I don't even, you know, frankly, I don't even think he's being maligned because when you read this, you're just like, this is, this is literally them taking one thing that they can say and saying it in the largest, loudest way they can say it. But 
I do think that there is the question of, do we allow, as a state, allow a defense attorney, a legislator, lawyer like Dick Harputley and somebody with power who has used this court system to, essentially, he's exploited it in every way possible. And this is another exploitation. This is the exploitation of it. Number one goal is to get that delayed, right? Because he doesn't want to have to face the fact. Well, I, I, even a first-year judge can try the Satterfield fraud case. Right. It doesn't take somebody of a Judge Newman. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So as he recuse himself from this upcoming case, the show goes on for that case. They deal with this later. That's my that's my recommendation. Do you think he can recuse himself from this case and then get back in on the murder case? Or once he's recused, he's done? I think that it can be, I don't know how the, I mean, obviously you guys would know better um, legally, like what he can possibly do. I think that, yeah, he probably does open himself. Like, well, why did you recuse yourself in this case? Well, because this matter wasn't settled. How about I recuse myself until this matter is settled? Not I agree with you. I mean, that's. I think that that's what I would. Right, because it's a. I think that we should drag Dick Harpootlian into the courtroom on November twenty seventh, one way or the other. I agree because it seems like if it's delayed, then he wins, and if it's delayed, it shows every other lawyer in the state that like you can pull this nonsense and attack a judge based on nothing, and that's just not right. I mean, I think that the Supreme Court needs to say something and do something immediately. I I think that that would be okay if he recused himself, but that again would kind of, that's a slippery slope of how, how do you cross the line? I guess he could, he maybe be able to say like, well, it was an emergency situation and had I not recused myself, then... Maybe he doesn't recuse himself. Maybe the case just gets reassigned, you know? There was two separate... Maybe he, maybe he calls in sick. Well, there was two separate motions, guys. The first one was the writ of prohibition, which is to prevent him from hearing the motion for a new trial. The second motion was a motion to delay and postpone the Satterfield criminal trial. The main thing is they don't want him here hearing the motion for a new trial. It's not that they don't want him to preside over the Satterfield case. The real gravy for them is the big thing is the big show is that motion for a new trial. If he right. recuses himself. So let's make that other thing happen. Let's right. make that case, that trial happen. He can't, he won't be able to do a la carte and say, I'm in here, turn off the spigot, turn it back on. What if he doesn't say anything though? What if they just reassign it the way they did with the, the bond? They had no problem with the bond going from Judge Newman to Judge Lee and then back again to Judge Newman. It's a slap in the face to Judge Newman, guys. I'm just telling you, he's retiring on December 31st. If you reassign it away from him, you have just slapped him in the face on it as a going away gift. I don't think so because I, and maybe this is just like you're you're speaking to pol the political structure of the legal community or something because from my perspective, it looks like the smart thing to do to not allow this bullying to happen. I don't think it says anything about Judge Newman, what his abilities are and what he did or did not do. I think it says, we're not letting you use this to delay that. So we'll give you a new judge for that. You guys are babies. This is a bunch of nonsense. You know it's nonsense. You've put one of our own now on the chopping block. Our best. Yeah, our best. One of our best. America's judge. You have now put on the chopping. Like, you have done this. Right. You have... Like, we put him there. Right. And now you're putting them there on the chopping block. And that's why they should be offended. They should be angry. They should be horrified. Because, again, I was thinking about this today. Like, 
a huge part of this case is about the judicial system as a whole and about how broken it is and how the the Murdochs participated in that brokenness of the system and how it's a new day in South Carolina and there's people like Judge Newman and Creighton Waters coming in to do things fair and right and showing the nation that we can have a fair judicial system here in South Carolina. And then for Dick and Jim, on top of that triumph that we saw, to just spit and stomp all over it by dragging the best that we have, Judge Newman, and his name down into the cesspool of, well, he was wrong too, and he... It's just, it's a really despicable and horrible thing specifically because he is he's the best that we have and if they put the best that we have in south carolina on the line all on behalf of alex murdoch the murderer liar fraudster thief etc etc horrible horrible human being and it's like why it makes me very angry it's manufactured too i think we need to we cannot stress this enough but like this drama these accusations they're very much manufactured they have taken it's like bugs bunny taking off his hand and blowing up his glove to punch somebody with it's all air it's not you know uh, a, a it's not a boxing glove it is this balloon basically they they have created a balloon of a writ of prohibition and it's filled with nothing but what i'm saying to you is that it's a serious motion it's extremely rare lawyers make all the time motions to disqualify the opposing counsel they'll say they're in conflict that the guy's got to have to be a witness he sat in on a meeting or he represented one party and now he's taken an adverse position that's done all the time lawyers going after judges is a really really rare thing like this it's it's a full-blown headshot and this isn't happening in some dark courtroom in Horry County on a you know case involving you know Smith versus Smith in a family court or Smith versus Jones an auto accident this is the highest profile case that our state has had in you know since arguably since Susan Smith or the Emanuel nine or Dylan roof and to go after this judge at this time remember they're taking things that this judge has said over a compendium of time uh, you know a year and a half worth of presiding over bond hearings and motions hearings and different stuff and i think it's uh i think it's a last gasp effort and it's a desperate act and if it fails, they're in shitsville. I think they're going to be because you say headshot, and I totally agree with you. I think that's what they were aiming for. But they're taking a headshot. Like they are in Dallas and they are trying to shoot JFK with a shotgun. They are not going to get there. And I think that they've tried for that. But I think that they're they're failing just by the... I think this is a very weak motion that they've made generally when you go through it, but they're in great company because other people have tried to have their judges removed. Like Harvey Weinstein tried that. Meek Mill, the rapper, tried to do that. And the and the Pennsylvania Supreme Court was like, no, we're not. And that was over a judge making comments outside of the courtroom. So I don't think history is on their side when it comes to the success of this. I, and that's why I go back to regardless, yes, they don't want him ruling on a new trial. They don't want that. But they do want this trial not to go forward in the, for the financial case. 
right now. Well, they don't because they don't want a second conviction and they don't want to have a new trial scheduled a month and a half later. Look, there's a lot at play here. You know, we still have Judge Gergel sentencing coming up sometime probably in January and they want him to look, you know, if you ask Dick off the record, he'd say, you know, load him up as much as you want, Judge Gergel. I'm sure if he gives him a long sentence, Dick will say, oh, that's too long a sentence, but he'll say it tongue in cheek. There's a lot of strategy that's being played here to see if they can game it out to get Alex into that federal system. I just feel bad for Judge Newman, you know. It, it's a lonely life. When you become a judge, you just lose a lot of friends immediately. I go to lunch with a judge and, you know, people look at me when I'm with the judge out in a restaurant, like, what are you doing with a judge? And then they look at the judge, what are you doing with a lawyer? And, uh, you know, it's a lonely, lonely life. And this guy just lost his son three weeks before this trial and he gave it his all and he did it well. And they've done nothing but to criticize this guy six ways in Sunday since the verdict by saying, oh, you can't sit on it because you're going to be a witness. Oh, you can't hear the motion because you, you know, you've made so many damn statements. Oh, you can't hear this because, you know, you're six feet, one inches tall. Whatever. I mean, it's just so many different reasons. And uh, where are they going to stop? Where, wh when will they stop? And it appears that they'll never stop. Right. Well, until something is done, this is like psychology 101. Like if you let somebody get away with the exact same thing over and over and over again, they're just going to keep doing it because why not? And this is where Supreme Court has got to do something. Otherwise, they're going to look like idiots. We're all going to look like idiots and we will, they will deserve it, especially because they picked this guy. And of course, Dick Carpetlian does his dizzle, as you say, and plays his tricks. And now the best that they could come up with, Judge Newman, who is the best in our state, his reputation is now being destroyed unless they do something. And all on behalf of Alex Murdoch, the murderer, horrible person. And they claim that they're not getting any money for any of this. And that's just insane. Right. For a 265 page document. I actually disagree with both of you on this. I disagree with you. Liz, you're right in the you're right in the sense that the only way that this could go forward on the 27th is if they transfer it to another judge. And I think they should because if you look at the calendar, the state will have 10 days to respond from the date that they filed their their writ. The Supreme Court's going to set a, a, a briefing schedule. Then the state gives their response. Dick and Jim are then going to have a reply. So now we're almost at like November what 19th, November 20th. Then they're going to say, well, is there going to be oral arguments on this? I don't think the Supreme Court's going to do this just on the papers. You know, they got to get a filing from Judge Newman himself. Is Judge Newman going to get a lawyer? And so once they entertain this process of is Judge Newman in conflict or not, and they go down that road, the trial's off. The only way the trial cannot be off is if they say, we're taking Judge Newman off the case. Yeah. We'll just, like and I said, on, you know, Judge B. You removed the hostage. But what I was going to say is I disagree with both of you on one thing. We say that this is hurting his reputation, Judge Newman's reputation. I don't think so. Because the things that they're accusing him of are laughable when you actually dig in and read them. So I don't think that they're effective. I think we have to look at the bigger picture here, which is that you have two clowns who have done clownish things for the last two years in defense of this man. They have lost just about every single motion that they have made. They have said ridiculous things. But they're winning in the court of public opinion, are Liz. They? they are. Liz, I... 
Listen to me. I don't think so. I know you don't think so, but they are. That motion that they made last week, people are starting to think maybe there was juror interference and that's not fair. You should get a new trial. And now that they raise this against Judge Newman, you think that the arguments that they make inside their motion are bad. And I do too, and that they're full of hot air. But to the general public, that's serious. They're saying to themselves, maybe that judge shouldn't have gone on the Today Show. Maybe that judge shouldn't have gone to Cleveland State. The general public isn't looking like we are looking at this like that's wrong let's look this up and see why they are just seeing the hot points that media is pushing out and the hot points do look bad like oh he was on the today show oh blah 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 unless you actually know what was going on and know what was said know all the context but like i i've seen enough on twitter to get worried realize yeah, to get worried and to get get defensive about Judge Newman's reputation because it would it would be enough to crush me if I was in his position. Like I would be extremely angry and disappointed and just I feel like if this were said about me, it would not be enough for me to feel like my reputation was harmed and maybe I'm delusional or deluded, but in my mind my record is strong enough as a journalist. My record is, I know what I'm capable of. I know what I've done and what, I, what I'm good at. And I feel like Judge Newman must know that as well about himself, that the only thing that matters at the end of the day is knowing that they're lying. Who cares what somebody who spends all day on Twitter talking about the Murdochs thinks? Who cares what somebody on Facebook, honest to God, I mean, like when it comes to ultimately his reputation as a jurist, it only existed in South Carolina up until this past year. He knows what his, he knows who he is. So what, what bothers me is that I don't want to acknowledge that this in any way is hurting his reputation. When I see it, it's like, it's like the whole thing about lions don't concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. I think that Dick and Jim are sheep, and I think that Judge Newman is the lion here. I think it's our job as journalists and your job as a public figure, Eric, to call this out in a way that people understand. They knew that Judge Newman was on the Today Show before all this. What I mean, do we not all see that? I mean, that was all like how many hundreds of thousands of people saw that it's the way that they're characterizing it now is only going to take them so far in my opinion and again maybe i'm naive i I, but for me i will not recognize that two men can bugs bunny their way and i keep using that example can bugs bunny their way through this case three men three men (laughs) can bugs bunny their way through this case and it gets taken seriously at all by us anyway you know i i don't think that this but we can only do so much liz we're doing it we're doing it we're doing it we've done a lot though eric i mean we've done a lot you guys do it in true sunlight we do it by our twitter but mandy is right right to the general population who isn't in the weeds like we are and they hear some of these things and they hear that every defendant is entitled to a fair and partial judge and a fair and partial trial and a fair and partial jury they start to think Right. Well, now, if 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 the clerk of court interfered with this jury and these jurors are coming out, and now you have a judge who's made these statements outside of court, maybe it's not fair that he actually hears the motion, and it it takes on a life of its own. And yes, I know that Judge Newman's honorable and his reputation's intact. But when Judge Newman goes to the grocery store, he goes into Costco, and everybody sees him, they don't know what you and I and Mandy know. And they start to read this stuff and they hear it being parroted. It takes a life of its own. And I feel so bad for Judge Newman. Right. I agree. I think that um, 
I've just seen enough. I've seen enough in comments and I've seen enough from people to know that, yeah, in, in, I think at the end of the day, the worst part about all of it is that this is an example of media failing and that's on my profession. That's on us, not on us, because we've done our best to fight this and to actually correct the record. But I, I'm talking about giant news outlets with way, way, way more resources than Luna Shark could ever possibly imagine. And they just pump out these headlines that, and they don't have to necessarily be aggressive or anything to mess with its reputation. I think that that's something that we have to understand is that like- We're planting seeds. It's just seeds of, it's seeds of doubt. And it was the same thing with Becky's book. Like nobody, none of these outlets had any way, shape or form problem with Becky's book until Dick and Jim told them to have a problem with it. Then they got really aggressive about it. And I also think in this age of misinformation and social media and everything, People don't even, people just read headlines. And I'm with you, Eric. Like, I could see Judge New, I could see somebody saying something like to Judge Newman at the grocery store or at a restaurant that would just be devastating because I don't think a lot of people fully understand what's going on. And I think, again, that's because of Dick and Jim and their campaign of misinformation and it's it's not on only harmed becky hill now but it's back to judge newman and that's horrible remember what dick remember dick 2013 liz what does he do i lay fires all over the courtroom i lay a fire here then the attention's spoken there then i lay a fire over here two weeks ago it was the juror interference then it was the motion for a new trial now it's judge newman i mean it's there's so many things in the air i see it i i absolutely see it but i also know that this this is this has been their strategy from the start is using headlines to get their way or using the headlines to color public opinion but it still meant that Alec was found guilty you know they it, it didn't i guess what i'm saying is like the bottom line is that they might be able to grab the headline that is the only front that they have won on in my opinion i personally i mean I just see them as as flies that need to be flicked off of the cow, honestly. And I think that the Supreme Court can do that, but I I don't know. I guess I just I personally just don't want to hand it to them I, I in any way shape or form. I don't know how much it matters to Judge Newman whether or not people in the Costco are thinking like you shouldn't have gone on to the Today Show because at this point there is no conclusion, right? It's just an accusation. I know Becky Hill has been completely maligned, but I don't know. I just, I, I guess maybe I'm Pollyanna about this. I just think that ultimately the right, the good guys are going to win because this is just, like I said, it's just fill of air. Let's play this out. I'm going to play it out with you. Let's play this out that the Supreme Court puts it back on Judge Newman. Judge Newman says, I'm not in conflict. Judge Newman hears the motion for a new trial and says, no new trial. Judge Newman goes forward and tries the Satterfield case. At the end of the day, is the public going to say, maybe Alex didn't get a fair trial under those circumstances? I'm afraid that if that all plays out, if Judge Newman, if if he hears it and says, I'm not in conflict, he hears the new trial motion for a new trial, no new trial. And then he goes forward and he lays the wood to Alex all the way down the line on all these financial crime cases. Is the public going to be satisfied? Remember, the Supreme Court's trying to thread the needle. They want to get this right. They want to make sure it's right, that there's no arguments that Dick or Jim or Alex or all of their sycophants can say it got rigged. And that's the, that's the scary part for me. Dick and Jim are setting this up. Let's table it until we get back and we'll be right back.
Y'all, I am so excited to tell you about our new AquaTrue water purifier. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and we are enjoying the benefits every day. And you don't have to worry about PFAs or other harmful contaminants. Best of all, our water tastes fantastic. It is even portable, making it perfect for renters or college dorms, or even when embedded in a trial. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code COJ at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code COJ. Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. They want to thread the needle. They want to get it right. All right. And it could give an argument to Dick and Jim that it was a, you know, a railroad system here. They, they, Alex got railroaded without really getting a fair But hold on. Fair shake. Right. Uh, I just have to say this. Like, it's just absolutely insane to talk about, like, did Alex get a fair shake? Did when the upcoming trial that we are talking about, he has already admitted to the crimes. And that is an insane scenario to begin with. And I don't think that, and I think that that's another thing that the media has been ignoring and downplaying the absurdity of that. Like, it is an absurd trial that it's crazy that we're all like gearing up for something that Dick has admitted to, Jim has admitted to. And Alex has pled guilty to. And there's like a room of papers of, of evidence that just show what it is. So I would just love for somebody to put an end to a lot of this because <laughs> we're in crazy land talking about a trial and debating whether or not like somebody's going to get a fair shake when this man admitted to these crimes and he should be in prison for the rest of his life just on the financial crimes alone and of course on top of that the murders like it is just so crazy how much we are wasting in expense, we are wasting in time, people's money, people's resources. It's just, it all makes me very angry. And it's just a circus that I 
you know, South Carolina kind of deserves it because they've let Dick and Jim get to this point, And that's very unfortunate. Not the people of South Carolina, but the leaders of South Carolina have let Dick and Jim get this far. And somebody has got to put an end to it. Well said. What, you, what you've said is we, we've gotten far afield from where we should be. That somehow Dick and Jim have pulled us out of the infield and out of the outfield. And now we're somewhere outside the ballpark. But what could have been done to stop them at this point? Like, what can you do? Mandy's right. They should have sanctioned him. I mean, look, you know, any other lawyer like Jim Griffin violated the judge's order and went to the press in the middle of the trial. And he got admonished, but he didn't get sanctioned. And they have thrown bombs. They're not just throwing. But that would stop them with this? No, but I'm saying all along the way, there, there should right. be soft. They, you know, they've been throwing not softballs. They're throwing bombs and nobody stopped them. Even if there is a sanction, you start with one sanction and you keep going with others. And I mean, we can list other things that they've done. And I, I would just like to see one sanction, like just one point where the system is like, stop it. We have had enough. But can they do that? Can the system say to to, to defense attorneys? Judge Newman could have done it to Dick Harpootlian in the court in the Corey Fleming sentencing when Dick said it's the podcasters that are, you know, that are hurting him and his partner is a podcaster. Dick, he could have sanctioned him when Dick gave a contradictory statement when he said the, the government's the one that made the motion for a speedy trial. No, it was Dick who made the motion for a speedy trial. He could have put a gag order on Dick and said, hey, you're making statements about juror interference from a microphone. How about make them in court? Sure, but how does that stop them from filing a writ of prohibition? It, it would have paused. It just gives them a pause to say, you know what? If we file this, there's repercussions. Do you think they would? These are two men that don't feel shame. These are two men that are not. It's about the game at this point. The point is, if it fails, there's no repercussions. They need to know if it fails. Right. There is going to be Armageddon. We've given you an. What does Armageddon look like for a lawyer in South Carolina beyond pulling their license? I mean, that would be Armageddon. Right. Nothing. No, but that that's it. Right. Right. There's nothing. But it's attacking their livelihood, attack their license. And at least tell them no. Like at least tell them no. Like it they have told them no, but But they have told them no. They have lost almost every single motion that they have There's a difference between losing motions and being admonished right, right, for yeah. filing frivolous motions. Right. Like filing the frivolous motion to vacate the Satterfield okay. confession. Okay, now we're getting somewhere with that. Like filing a motion to add the Satterfields to the Nautilus case. How about sanction that? Right. Mandy's exactly right. Okay, for that, that's that makes sense to me. Sanction them for frivolous motions. They can do that. So they should have done that. But does somebody have to suggest that to the judge? Can the judge just decide that themselves? How does that work? Oh, yeah. The judge does it on his own. But they're never going to do it to Dick. That's the whole point. They do it to me. They would do right. it to somebody else. But they're not doing right. it to Dick Harpoolian. And that's why this is the system that they deserve. Like, right. So as long as they allow this to keep going on and we're – but us, the taxpayers, are paying for it, and that's what makes me so this angry. This statement of the case, the way it opens, is Dick and Jim saying to the court that Mr. Murdoch is a disgraced former attorney. They start off from the very start just, like, already putting Alec in the – he's a criminal position, Some right? Scum. Like – Right, exactly. And then that, that but that's that's basically all that uh, all that Judge Newman has said. But who I just want to ask this because 
let's just say that they get their way and there's a new judge and whatever. What judge in South Carolina can come on after Judge Newman? If we want to give the credit, you know, the public opinion, say that that matters more than anything else to some degree, what judge in South Carolina is going to be able to come in here and give Dick Harpootlian what he wants and rule the way Dick Harpootlian wants him to without there being supreme backlash? Because at this point, I would imagine that every judge in South Carolina must feel some bit of that target that's on Newman's back by Dick and Jim, just because of, of what, I guess, the nature of what they're accusing him of, or, or the fact that they're taking a shot at a judge like this. There has to be some sort of solidarity, I would assume, from the judges or from the Supreme Court in saying that, like, you've gone too far. So how does it help Dick and Jim ultimately to get a new judge by maligning America's judge to get there. It doesn't. It, but would, would, I guess they're grasping. But we saw with Judge Bentley Price, he didn't buy it. He said, no way. I'm not vacating this Satterfield thing. Right. We saw what Judge Hall did. No way. We're not giving you the hundred and sixty thousand right. dollars. So, so this isn't about the new. This isn't about the new trial. This is a this right now in this moment is about delaying. They want to just case. get it down the road, kicking that can down the road. I have this crazy um, hope inside of me that something happens and basically at the end of the day, what matters the most is that trial happens on November 27th because if trial does not happen on November 27th they are doing uh, there it is it is just giving in to their master evil little plan that's like step one step two step three that's a big check mark on their part it would just be a complete failure of the system if we allowed that to happen I, I agree with you that is that is one number one but 1a that's what I'm saying though Eric is sticking up for Judge Newman. I don't want the man to be trashed. And I. You can do both things at the same time. I don't think we have to choose one or the other. I think that we have to play hardball with this trial because that is ultimately what they want. If you do, and if you take Judge Newman off that trial, you've taken him off every single thing with Murdoch going forward. And that tarnishes the man's legacy. End of story. Well, I don't know about that. We can disagree. We can disagree. I don't know, because I just don't, I don't look at, we all saw, yeah, I, I saw what he did those six weeks. You saw what he did. The America saw what he did those six weeks. They saw the Today Show. It wasn't until Dick and Jim filled this thing with nonsense and the media decided, oh my God, they're right. Uh, you know, and just like, I, I mean, I had that worry about, well, did he commend? But I think it needs, you know, did he commend the jury? Is that what he was doing? But no, it gets explained, obviously, the way, you know, what his intent was. But I also think that by wringing our hands over what they've done to, to judge Newman's reputation is to acknowledge that some sort of success on their part. And I just don't believe, because it's, it almost acknowledges failure. Like it's saying like we failed, you know, he did fail. Judge Newman did fail because he, they did hurt him. And I just don't think that this, I think it's such a nonsense motion. And I think that smart people think it's a nonsense motion out there. I don't see how, I mean, and again, maybe I'm naive. I just don't see how it affects. I don't see how we walk away from this saying that Judge Newman screwed up. 
I just don't. Maybe, you know, there's a few uh, journalists in South Carolina who want to pretend that they're being objective by acknowledging, you know, what is the quote unquote seriousness of these allegations. The allegations are hollow. And the fact that they're not explaining that to the public yeah. is is malpractice as far as I'm concerned. But because a lot of this is provable, you saw that you sat. some of those men that are writing this right. sat in that courtroom day after day so that they could be on camera, basically. And they listened to all of they saw this in person and they saw that the things that they're accusing judge newman of saying to the today show and to his alma right. mater are the same things he said in the courtroom to dick and jim about why he decided to lift the financial crimes in and why he you know what he said to him during the sentencing so I, for them to just act like i mean they mustn't have read this that's the only thing i can think of which i know in at least two cases i'm right but uh okay we have to move on from this um <laughs> i think that no matter what we have to hope that trial goes through on november 27th because otherwise all of this nonsense just shows the world that they can get away with anything and they're gonna keep doing it and we're gonna keep on being terrorized and i'm really tired of that but speaking of terrorism in south carolina we have to talk about the Bowen Turner case and David Miller, the prosecutor who let Bowen Turner get the sweetheart deal of a lifetime and agreed to with state Senator Brad Hutto that Dallas's charges were dropped, that the case in, in Dallas Stoller's case were dropped um, because she was dead. David Miller is now up for judgeship in South Carolina and on Wednesday, David Miller is supposed to have a hearing. Eric, do you know how that process goes? It, it's to determine whether he is qualified. Yeah. And uh, essentially, they're contesting. Uh, they're contesting whether he's qualified. He's already been qualified, hasn't he? You know, it's going to be iffy. Um, you know, again, this is a case that you know you guys have done such a good job to put to the public forefront, and uh, you know, image is everything, and this would not be a good image. Um, for a guy that gave a very sweetheart, agreed to give a very sweetheart recommendation of a sentence to somebody that destroyed um, a beautiful young girl and tormented his family, tormented her family for the rest of their lives. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if he makes it through, to be honest with you, but it's going to be disappointing. I think it's going to be a great example of how messed up this entire process is, because I think the public's going to see Todd Rutherford questioning David Miller, which is like an insane that he's a part of that still. I think that because on the JMS. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's wild. Uh, but yeah, it's just going to be a it's going hopefully it's going to be a display of how dysfunctional the way that we choose judges is in South Carolina. And hopefully that leads to change. I think that with the amount of, and um, last I heard Dallas Sellers family is going to be there and they're going to speak. I need to see if uh, Chloe Bess is going to speak, um, but they're going to get a mouthful. Like if those, if, everybody on that committee actually okays David Miller, then that will be a display of how absolutely dysfunctional and horrific the system is. So, And if he gets on as a judge and then Todd Rutherford votes for him and then Todd appears before him, does Todd get a special, anything special that I couldn't get or anybody? 
Well, he's already gotten something special. Right. He's already gotten it. He did. So that's that's the thing is that we have this letter from David Pasco and uh, was it seven, uh, eight other uh, solicitors in which they're asking for Todd Rutherford to be taken off the JMSC, right? And one of the reasons is because of that sweetheart deal that he got with Alberto Romero Lopez. And that was the second... Um, one that we know of where he's done this behind closed doors and um, David Miller apparently let him and David Miller did it without uh, so much as it apparently knowing uh, even the, the bare facts of the case, it seems. So you have Todd Rutherford. So you have two people on that JMSC, right? Uh, Luke Rankin and um, Merle Smith, who all eyes are on them, right? Because of this letter, they've been pleaded with by the state solicitors in an unprecedented move to remove this person from the JMSC. So spotlight is on them during this hearing, which is going to, I mean, it's just so funny because it's going to be the squirmiest hearing. I think in one, like one of the squirmiest hearings that you've had in the history of South Carolina judicial qualification, because, um, the two main members of the, of the commission, are being pleaded with by the solicitors of the state. One of the members of the commission, uh, the guy in front of him just gave him a, a real good, uh, did a real good favor for him. And I was just looking at this email that David Miller sent me in 2019. And I want to read the quote at the end of his email. This is like one of those standard quotes that you have um, as your signature. And it says, we are lawyers on the side of people. Never let us forget that the law is never settled until it is settled right. It is never right until it is just, and it is never just until it serves society to the fullest. And that's a Harry Philo quote. And that is irony to its nth degree, I would say. Um, one thing I want to note is I, I did have this little fear that um, the pressure on Rankin, Smith, and Rutherford, as well as David Miller, would be such that they would just have, like David Miller would just step aside and say, forget it, I don't want to be a judge this time, I'll wait it out. Um, because he's not, you know, he's not an older, I think he's in his 50s, 40s, something like that. Um, and that, I think that is a possibility. So I want to put it out there that David Miller should continue to try to be a judge because if he so believes that he deserves that position, then he should fight for it. And this should be a, a forum in which people can say why he shouldn't get it. He shouldn't deprive the public. He shouldn't deprive the Stoller family or the best family, if they so desire, to, to say why they think he shouldn't be a judge. He shouldn't chicken out, in other words. So I, I hope he doesn't chicken out. I hope that he goes forward with his judgeship and tries for it. And I hope that all four of those men are put on the spot in a way they've never been put on the spot before. Yeah, and I hope it all explodes on them because they all deserve it. Great show. It was that was a that was a robust show as we've ever had uh, on some good disagreement, intellectually disagreeing. And I can see your side of it, Liz, and I appreciate it. And uh, we always don't have to agree. That's the that's the beauty of a uh, cup of justice. That's right. In the end, we want justice. In the end, we all want justice. It's just a question of how we're going to get there. Right. And we all want the same thing, which is like for them not to win. And I think that it would just be such a tragedy if they just, if they just got it delayed because that's them winning. That's a huge win on their part. 
I'm fine if they win because of legitimate reasons. I don't, I mean, if they are legitimately making a legitimate argument, but that's not what they're doing. No. Right, right. But that's not what this motion is. Like, it's just a waste of everybody's time and it's just horrible. And on that note, I, I think it's time to say cups down, guys. Yeah, cups down, guys. It was a good show. Cups down. This Cup of Justice episode is created and hosted by me, Mandy Matney, with co-host Liz Farrell, our executive editor, and Eric Bland, attorney at law, a.k.a. the Jackhammer of Justice. From Luna Shark Productions. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.